Welcome to the Simple Money, Simple Life podcast. I am Matt Erickson, and I'm your host. This is a podcast where we explore how simplicity beats complexity, especially in money matters. We explore investing, personal finance, and how to live a simple and awesome life. Welcome to episode 40. Today we are going to have a little bit of a different episode. I am going to tackle a couple of listener questions, and I am also going to discuss some things from work. I was just going to comment that it was going to be nice because my dog, whose name happens to be Milo, uh, was not going to be with us. I thought he was going to be downstairs with my wife while she's taking a nap, but he decided to come up and uh, sneeze and roll around like he always likes to do. He seems to have a sense for that, so please don't mind him. Anyway, I got a couple questions on the email. If you want to reach out, you can do it by contacting me at simplemoney529 at gmail.com, which is what a couple listeners did. The first one I'd like to read is from Boyd. He says, hey, Matt, listening to you on Google Pods right now, I like your comprehensive, simple topics and the easy 20-minute limit. I studied voluntary simplicity decades ago and have been a Vanguard fan for many years. I've never made much as a garbage man, but have been able to get $1 million plus in net worth following good investing spending principles, and a paid-off home in 2011. Have you covered Roth conversions and matching the move to donor advised funds? I made this move last year. It was an awesome tax hack. So while I'm not going to cover Roth conversions and donor advised funds in this episode, I'm certainly going to do it in a future episode. It's a little more complicated than we usually talk about. But anyway, Boyd and I went back and forth. And then another email he wrote to me that was a little more comprehensive, which I think is worth reading because I think there's some really awesome nuggets in here. He said, at age 17, I was convinced by a young man's advisor uh, in 1978 to put $2,000 lawn mowing money in a limited partnership. I was underage, no co-signer. I'm sure his commission was huge. Grr. I remember looking at the fancy brochure and him insinuating 25% annual returns. It took years to earn that $2,000. Ugh. Well, that is when real estate crashed. Ten years later, I got $150. Yeah, I paid the stupid tax, but it was an important lesson. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. I am now super suspicious of any salesperson. I don't like them. And since then, it has been a slow process of learning. No Google back then to learn by. No inheritance ever involved. Barely graduated high school. No college degree. Always blue-collar work, getting my hands dirty. So our successes include, got our 04 home paid off using stock gains, even through the Great Recession. I've never made more than 55000 Vehicles are 15 and 25 years old. No life insurance ever. Our smarts and investments is our life insurance. Why pay a middleman? By reading books, listening to podcasts, and lots of dollar-cost averaging and indexing, my wife and four kids have no debt. A very large HSA a donor-advised fund for charity paired with Roth conversions for great tax savings, custodial Roth accounts for two kids at Schwab, and all accounts are growing tax-deferred or tax-free. At $1.2 million plus home, we currently make more investing than working. A very nice place to be. It still feels like we are poor, but I like that feeling. I'm comfortable with it. Several years ago, We were able to pay for a church mission for our oldest tax-free using long-term stock gains and Amazon donated directly in kind. A wonderful tax hack. Last year, I went with the ultimate 
Merriman Ultimate Buy and Hold Strategy. So we are currently benefiting from the small cap, small cap value international boom. It is fun to watch. We do not do Bitcoin. Use discount brokers only, Schwab, Vanguard, Fidelity, never Robinhood. My advice, start early, buy and hold, go aggressive, go long, go diversified is my motto. Don't panic sell ever, live cheap, avoid lifestyle creep, to hell with the Joneses, hee <laughs> hee. My wonderful wife has been great in helping us live cheap. She recently talked me out of a new 2021 Highlander for her. Yes, that's right. So not bad for a garbage man. Thanks for your show. Hope it grows. Boyd. I love this email from Boyd. I thought it was awesome because it covers so many of the principles that we talk about in this show. It talks about how making a modest salary throughout your whole career, you can still become wealthy, which is what Boyd's done. He has a net worth well over a million. I think he's in his either high 50s or low 60s. He's been a manual laborer his whole life, which I, th- I sense that he's proud of, which I think is awesome. And he has been thoughtful with his finances. He learned a valuable lesson way back in the day, trusting someone he shouldn't have trusted. And since then, he's educated himself. He doesn't have a financial advisor. He doesn't have a bunch of people tutoring him. He has tutored himself. And he has learned some great principles along the way. He has been patient. He's been a buy and hold investor. He's dollar cost average throughout his whole career. And now he's sitting at well over a million dollars in a paid for house and a very nice looking retirement ahead of him. So awesome job, Boyd. This is what the show is all about is living by the principles you taught us in that awesome email. Now, I have another listener question from Leo. He said, hello, my name is Leo, and I want to start by saying, just started listening to your podcast and I'm finding it to be informative. I'm new to the podcast thing. My question is this. I'm 55 years old. I've been working at my present job for two and a half years. They meet my contributions. I assume he's talking about his 401k there. He goes on to say, I also contribute $50 a paycheck to the old plan I had from a job I was at nine years ago. Should I merge the two plans? I'm not sure I'll be staying at my present job indefinitely or until a retirement, which is why I'm hesitant to merge the two. Also, would signing up for a wealth simple app and buying twenty to fifty dollars of shares each paycheck instead of lottery tickets be a good idea? If so, what types of stocks would you suggest? Thanks and keep up the good pods, Leo. All right, we have a lot to unpack with Leo. Thank you for listening, Leo, by the way, and I appreciate you joining our Simple Money, Simple Life family. And I am not a financial advisor, which I've stated many times. So what I say on this vice is not advice, is not financial advice. What I say on this podcast is not that. It's more just my opinion. So I'm going to walk through kind of my thinking around Leo's question. But do your own research and figure out what you want to do for yourself. I am not a fan of having multiple investments accounts out there. I think it's complex. I think it kind of weighs on our subconscious. I like finances to be simple. I like to be able to see things on one dashboard. So I think there's a third option that Leo is not considering. He's suggesting, should I take my old 401k and roll it into my new 401k? He's not sure he wants to do that because he's not sure he's going to stay at the job. So yes, it you can do that. You can roll an old 401k into a new, new 401k. A lot of it has to do, some people do that because their new 401k may have better funds and lower cost options, and so they'll roll that in. But there's another option which I like better 
because it gives you ultimate control, which is to roll your 401k or 403b, whatever it might be, into a traditional IRA. That way, you have all the control you need to choose your own index funds and to design your own asset allocation instead of depending on the 20 or 30 funds that the 401k provides you. This assures you that you can get into these wonderful total market index funds for next to nothing, and you don't have to be trapped by the offerings of your 401k plan. So if I were in Leo's shoes, what I would do is roll the 401, old 401k into a traditional IRA and manage it there. And then once he leaves the second job, roll that 401k also into that traditional IRA. Then he has ultimate control. He has all of his investments in one place and he's good to go. Now, he talks about lottery tickets. So I haven't talked about that on the show yet, but thank you, Leo. I gladly will, thanks to your invitation. So I'm not a fan of lottery tickets. The mathematical likelihood of winning the lottery is slim to none. It is a way to tax the poor, in my opinion. And a lot of people buy into lottery tickets because it gives them hope that things might be better. My suggestion would be to forget about the lottery and put that 20 to $50 in a good low-cost index fund. You could put it into a Roth IRA. You could put it into a regular brokerage taxable account. It would even be better to put it in a savings account rather than buying lottery tickets because at least then you'll have the money instead of losing it and getting nothing in return. Do not buy lottery tickets is my suggestion. I think it's a waste of money. Yes, it gives you that thrill of hope that you might be the winner, but come on, let's face it. The chances of you winning are slim to none. Why not use that money to buy something productive for you that can grow for the future? I would rather you give that money away to someone rather than waste it on lottery tickets. There's so many more things you could do with that. So anyway, thank you to Leo and Boyd for sending in those awesome listener questions and comments. Really appreciate you guys and feel free to do the same as what they did. And I will talk about your email on an upcoming show. So I'd like to transition topics a little bit and talk about some things kind of that I've noticed in my personal life. So I have a good friend who recently received a nice inheritance from a family member, and it's been cool to see how he has managed that process. I think he and his wife have done a a beautiful job of walking through how to handle that. I think they are being really smart. They're being really diligent. They're being thoughtful in what they're doing with that money, and they're not just blowing it or finding this money and then going off and spending it. They have talked together, communicated together, and come up with a good, solid, written plan of what they plan to do with it. Uh, Yes, they have been able to buy a couple things that they've been wanting to buy for a long time. And I think when I'm going to do an entire show on what to do with an inheritance in the future, but I'm just going to give a couple thoughts on it now. I think If you do receive an inheritance, it's wise to really let the emotion, if if you've lost a loved one that you really care about and you're really close to and you're going through a grieving process to make sure you give yourself enough time to grieve before spending much of that money. I think during those vulnerable times is a time when we can make poor financial moves. But once those emotions have settled and you're feeling good and positive and clear-minded, I think then you come up with a plan of what you want to do with that money. So... I think uh, my friend and his 
wife have done an excellent job of that, of working together, communicating together about how they want to go about using that money. And so they've used some of it to buy a couple of things that they've wanted, which is great. And they've used some of it to give to their kids long-term savings, which is great. I think we're going to hopefully work together to get that money invested for them so that they can, he can open up maybe some accounts for them so that they can grow that money in the stock market instead of in a savings account, which would be, we crunched some numbers together and computed that $5,000, I believe for a 10 year old, by the time they retire at 65 could be worth over a million dollars making an 8% return. So just simply making a choice like that now can be a million dollar decision for his child in the future, which kind of blows your mind, but is a really cool thing to think about. Uh, One other thing that I think is really cool when you get an inheritance to think about is we had a show in the past about the Diderot effect when you, it's kind of the spiraling sense of consumption after you purchase an item. And so it's easy to get an inheritance and find this money and want to spend it all and buy something that will then lead you down a path of spiraling consumption. And so it's just something to be aware of when you get an inheritance to make sure that you think through, like if you buy one thing, think through what other things you'll need to buy because of that one purchase. That way there won't be any surprises. You can plan it all out ahead of time knowing the number that it will require. Make sure those are things you want in your life. It's something that I think is important to consider. And I always think it's good when you get an inheritance, especially if it's a robust one, to save some of it, which my friend is obviously going to do. He's very, very good with his money, and he's smartly going to invest and save a lot of it. He has also uh, maxed out his Roth IRA for him and his wife for the year, which is awesome to do with newfound money. So he's being very thoughtful and wise about it. And I would recommend anyone who gets an inheritance to consider at least saving some of it for the future, because I think most people who leave an inheritance would hope for that for the person inheriting those assets. They would hope that they could make that money grow over time so that it can even serve and help more people into the future. So while we were uh, talking together, my friend and I, we were reviewing his Roth IRA together, and we made a discovery that he gave me permission to share, which I want to share for the audience. I've talked about this one other time in the past, but I want to share it again just because it's super important. When we're looking at his dashboard on Fidelity for his Roth IRA, you can go under a tab called Positions, and it will show you what mutual fund or index fund you're invested in. We ha- He's in the total market index fund that Fidelity provides. But every investing account also has what's called a core position or a sweet fund or a money market fund where the cash goes from your checking account and sits there, and then you have to then invest that money that's in the core position. My friend had forgotten to do this last year, so he had $5,000 sitting in his core position account or sweep account uh, earning nothing. And as everyone knows, the market has been on a tear lately in the 30 to 40% range, and so sadly, that $5,000 has missed out on some growth. But we got it working for him. He got it invested into the total market index fund. And so that will start making money for him for the long term. Uh, This happened to a friend of mine a long time ago. If you'll remember in a previous podcast, she had left her money in a sweep account for years and lost out on all kinds of growth in her 401k because it was just sitting in a money market account not being invested. And she didn't realize that until years later 
and corrected it and got it invested, thank goodness. But please check. There's So it's a, it's a two-step process. When you set up a Roth IRA, you set up the account with Fidelity or Schwab or Vanguard or whoever you use. When you're doing that, then you have to tie your checking account to that Roth IRA so that you can take money from your checking account and transfer it direct transfer into your Roth IRA account. But there's one more step after that that a lot of people forget about. Then you have to go in and you have to buy the index fund with that cash instead of leaving it in the core position account. And with Fidelity, there's a little tab called trade that you click on and then you go up and you put how much money you want to buy and what ticker symbol or fund you want to purchase. And so my friend and I did that together and he got that invested into the total market index fund, which is 3,700 awesome companies in the United States working to make him money. And so that's just a reminder to please remember to do that. Don't leave your money to city on the sidelines. It can be a real negative to your net worth. Now, next week, I'm going to be doing a rent versus buy episode. And so please look forward to that. I think you'll really enjoy it. It's a fun topic to think about and consider. Please follow the show on Instagram, simple money underscore simple life. And also, as I mentioned earlier, you can certainly email me and I will be happy to answer any listener questions. And remember the simple life is a good life.